Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. You know, I wanted to do something. We, we've done this, uh, I remember, um, in the church. It was a testimony or praise, praise reports of things that God's done. And, uh, you know, it's always good to give thanks, and it encourages others when we, we share, you know, something that God did. So does anyone have a praise report that they want to get up and share? Everyone's like, yes, come on up. I've got, well, just uh, um, take turns here. So oh, I should have. This has kind of been the theme of uh, finances, bouncing off of what Aaron was saying. Um, the Lord's calling me on a journey of a deeper walk of dependence on him financially, which is challenging. And uh, I've been obedient, and I've been tithing, which is what I normally do anyways, but I've been tithing carefully and really stewarding my money as if it was all the Lord's rather than just giving 10% to him and doing what I want with the other 90%, uh, which has been... um, a journey and a challenge and uh, God's been telling me it's gonna be okay don't worry about it and so two weeks ago I guess I got a call this is kind of bizarre from a real estate lawyer that I had hired three years ago to sell a house for me and he calls me and says I'm so sorry we had misfiled the closing of this house, and I owe you a lot of money. <laughs> so, and so I got this big fat deposit in my bank account, and it was and it was something where, again, I hadn't done anything. There was no amount of striving I had done. There was no amount of, you know, successful projects I had managed. There was no amount of brain power that I had applied to accomplish this. Like God did it completely without Amen. me. And just just to encourage people that, you know, he does work when we don't see him work, like the worship said this evening. And he actually loves our obedience, but is quite capable all by himself to provide for us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He works in unexpected ways. I don't have any sanitized wipes because um, we're passing the mic. I'll hold it for you just because. Okay. Are you going to take your chances? Okay. Um, <laughs> my daughter's a high school teacher, and as a lesson to her class, she challenged them. She asked, um, write something about something that you're grateful for. Like, that was her challenge to her um, high school class. Write about something that you're grateful for. So she said, and this is all in a a text that she sent to me. And she says, well, I thought I'd take my own advice, and I'll write down something that I'm grateful for. And she said, I'm grateful to you, because I work as a nanny for my daughter. I babysit my granddaughter. And she says, I'm grateful for you for all the many um, thousand selfless acts that you do for us and our family 
each and every day. And I'm indebted. I'm indebted for all the things that you've done as a mother. And I, I've learned how to be a good mother just by watching you. And um, I just want to say thank you, and I love you very much. And that came out of the blue, and I, I'm grateful for those words because I responded back. I said, wow, those are gracious words. You know, I mean, lots of times I wasn't that great a mother, but um, many people go through their whole lifetime, and they never hear words like that. Mm -hmm. Like you could go your whole lifetime. So say those words to other people. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God is good. Is there anyone else that wants to give praise for something God's doing? Yep. So this is uh, an interesting one. Um, a lot of you guys know I'm, I have two pre-teenager girls. They're coming into teenage, and, and it's been difficult lately because emotions changing, and they're, they're, they're turning into women. So, you know, the reality is I'm not a woman, and I can't relate. That's <laughs> reality. So, you know, my oldest is going through some stuff, and, and we're praying over it. And I said to God, God, give me a way that I can relate and spend time with her and bond with her. And she comes up to me the other day, and she goes, Dad, I really want to learn what you do. I was like, you want to learn how to build cars? All right. So God provided a project, very cheap. I have really nothing into this car. And uh, me and my daughter went out to look at it, and, and I said, do you want to build it? She goes, yeah. So this is, God provided everything needed to do it. It's not an expensive project, and literally it's going to teach me how to turn that perfection switch off. Because in my trade, I, I have to hold people to a certain expectation, and I expect people to be able to do what I can do. So it's going to be a learning experience for me, and now it gives me the opportunity to bond with my daughter on a level that I never thought was possible. So it, it's very true. When you ask, and it's in line with what he wants, he'll give it to you. So I'm excited for this, and I'm excited to bond with my daughter as she's going through a difficult time going into a teenager because the reality of it is I don't know what she's going through because I'm not her. So now, now she can bond with me. So thanks to God, he, he provided everything. Man, he does. Is there anyone else? I don't want to pull it, pull it away before everyone's had an opportunity. We're good. That's enough praise. Um, so uh, I'll just put this here. You know, the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're doing a, a thing through the Gospels right now um, with the Bible Project. Uh, it's a, an app where you can all, uh, we can all connect and chime in together. Um, we just finished the study on Acts. And so this is the next one that we're doing with several in the church. And right now we're going through Matthew. And it's just really been... Um, it's been good for me to, I mean, I've read the Bible several times, but I always approach every time, like when I approach God's word, I don't approach it like a book. I approach it like, God, I, I'm getting to know you. And you've written this 
these 66 books about you. And the Bible says that it's the living word of God. So it's not a book, like a regular book. It's alive. God can bring something completely new out of the, a, a verse that you've read 20 times. Because there's so many aspects of God and ways that he can bring. He's like a multifaceted diamond that just brings out so many different things. And you can see something in a different light that you never saw before. And so um, in this time that I'm going through this, and especially looking at Jesus, I'm just seeing how personal he is and how so connected he wants to be in our lives. And I think we need this so much with the new season that we're coming into with a greater, you know, the Bible says in the end times that people's hearts will grow cold. So what do we have to do? We have to allow our hearts to get soft and to be close to Jesus more than ever before. So he, we need to allow him to do that work in us. So in, in looking at the Gospels, um, I've just been seeing that side of him. And we're going to just look at a day in the life of, of, of Jesus. And we're going to take Matthew 14. And it's just literally, it's, it's a day, maybe a day and a half. But when we, when we look at Jesus and we watch him, um, there's so many aspects that can translate into today. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So we don't, we don't project it, or we don't look at it back as, oh yeah, that's what Jesus did. No, that's who Jesus is. He'll do it again, because that's who he is. Will he do it exactly that way? His nature will do what he did there. It might translate differently, but we can see his heart and his nature is the same. And so we need to know this more than ever before in the seasons that we're coming into because there's a lot of things that we're going to be walking into that we need to know Jesus more than we've ever known him before and trust his nature because there's a lot of things where I see his hand doing things. And we're going to look at this. We're going to see this even in the Bible. Or circumstances of life bring certain things. And Jesus, it's almost like he doesn't see that aspect of it. But he's doing something different in the midst of it. But we, if we keep our eyes on that, we miss what he's doing here. We're going to, we're going to see this when we look at this account. So let's, let's go right into it. So Matthew 14. Um, we're going to start verse 1. It says here, when Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, this must be John the Baptist, raised from the dead. That's why he can do such, such miracles. For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife, Herodias, um, the former wife of Herod's brother, Philip. And John had been telling Herod, it's against God's law for you to marry her. And Herod wanted to what? Kill John. But he was afraid of a riot because of all the people that believed John was a prophet. But at a birthday party for Herod, Her Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. And so he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. And at her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. Then the king regretted what he had said, but because of the vow he had made in front of his guests, 
he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried him. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. So let's just stop there. You know, so we see this day starting out, you know, not so well. And um, first of all, I want us to, to see one thing here. John the Baptist is in jail, basically, because he's telling Herod that he's doing something against God's law. He's going to jail for it. You know, he's, uh, there's a lot of things far less than that and far worse than that that is going on and it just gets pushed aside but i believe that as we come into the days that we're coming into god's got an order god's got a design and we have to speak out for those things that are right and true in god's sight and we've got a there's a bill, Bill C-6. I don't know if you're aware of it, but it's all with the whole gender thing and, and everything, and it's criminal now to speak against anything or against anyone who is going down that road. You can't even pray for them if they're having an issue. It's criminal. I don't know if you're aware of that. That's a bill that is now in place. Now, I'm against putting any person down, condemning any person. We should love every person. But God has a design and an order, and he wants to bring us into that. And if we're confused or we don't understand, God lovingly brings us into that. Doesn't condemn, doesn't destroy but we do have a responsibility to uphold God's way, God's design. Because God has an order, God has design, and when you distort that, you distort everything, and it brings confusion, it brings all kinds of things. And so now we have got a government that is making it criminal to be able to uphold that. So what do we do? What do we do? Do we just stay silent? John the Baptist didn't stay silent. And it cost him. And I don't know what's coming up in the days ahead, but I know that as we stand for Jesus, he gives us the responsibility to uphold what's right and what's true. And he'll show us how to do that. And in this situation, Jesus, it says here, let's go to verse 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. I want us to just stop here. Don't, don't read on. He left in a boat to a remote place to be alone. So, first of all, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. Okay? Sometimes we think Jesus, you know, he's this holy, holy, you know, he's got this glow. 
and he's just untouchable and everyone walks behind him and he's just kind of like and he's like this superhuman that's not touched with anything he's just this super super holy 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 nothing ever affects him no jesus is affected to the point that he wants to find a place to be alone when he hears about john the baptist that's how touched he is by it like we 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 sometimes forget the humanness of what we walk through that that we need to take those moments jesus had to take this moment to be alone he needed that he was touched with something that was the the human side of him that was touched and it says here when he did this but it says the crowds heard where he was headed how many know the crowds will find out what's going on so it's something's hot it's like especially nowadays man you got facebook instagram everything it's like you're gonna have instant crowd you have an instant mob you it's it's super dangerous right now you you're 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 guilty before you ever you know the mob says you're guilty you're guilty until proven innocent it's sad but it's where it's at but it says here the crowds followed and they, they on foot and from many towns and jesus saw the huge crowd as it as he stepped from the boat and what did he do he had compassion on them and healed their sick so here he's wanted to be alone but he sees the crowd he sees sickness he sees what the enemy has done to these every one of these people he sees the hunger of these people coming from all over they're needing something and he reaches out with compassion and it says here that evening the disciples came to him and said this is a remote place so he went this whole day and into the evening and the, the disciples are like it's a remote place and it's already getting late send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves <clears throat> but jesus said that isn't necessary you feed them and this is what i love about jesus he puts demands in our lives that are beyond our ability i love it and i don't love it i love it when i'm on the other side of it and i'm on the miracle side of it but at the beginning of it it's like god why are you putting this because he there is far we are far far more than what we have become all of us if we have jesus in us we are far more than what we have become we settle for less human nature does i want to go in my gushy 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 chair in my gushy 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 bed in my gushy 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 car and my you know we want comfortable and gushy come on and eat my yummy 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 meal <laughs> right and watch my netflix and you know we seek comfort we seek but but jesus wants us to move further beyond our comfort he sees more for us and in this case he saw that they could feed him 
He says, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. How many, you only see the little that you have? That's many times what we look at. You know, I went and bought gas before I came here. <laughs> Touch the gas button, right? Man, I didn't even have an empty tank and it was almost $90. We can complain, we can complain, you know, all of this, all of this, all of this, all of this. We can get our eyes on that or we can get our eyes on who is our source. And he's unlimited in what he can do. Because the book of Revelation says, in the end times, a loaf of bread's going to be a day's wages. That's where we're heading. <laughs> it doesn't matter. God is our source. I can go through multiple times. Isaac sowed in famine and reaped a hundredfold. There's the children of Israel when they were in Egypt and the plagues hit. When darkness hit, go, there was light over Goshen and the children of Israel. There was manna in a desert when they couldn't make food. How many know God hasn't lost the recipe for manna? But it's like we get, we get into this spot of just like, Oh, he can only do it this way, and he can only, and he, he wants to bust past that. And here Jesus was doing this with his disciples, and they're, they're like, all we have are two, you know, five loaves, two fish, whatever it is here. And, and they, they, he says, bring them here. So in other words, he's saying, look, what you have, give it to me. Your miracle is in your house. He uses what you have. He multiplies the seed you sow. Everybody has seed to sow. Do you want to sow it or do you want to eat it? Because a lot of people eat their seed. They don't give it to God. They eat it. They buy a TV with it. They buy things with it. And they eat their seed that they should have sown. We have to put things in the right place. And Jesus was like, look, what do you have? Give it to me. So he says, give it to me, bring them here. Then he told the, the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves, two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then he, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the piece of uh, the, the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate what? As much as they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> they ate as much as they wanted. Jesus wasn't like, you, you know, make sure there's enough for everyone else. You know, they just keep passing, keeps multiplying and multiplying. He's like, fill them up, fill them up. Trish likes this one. She's always shoving food in your face whenever you go over there. Come on, eat more, eat more, eat more. <laughs> and that's what God does. He said, there's more. And he says here, until they were all, they ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Amen. Aren't you glad he's the God of leftovers? That he has leftovers. Like he makes more than it is enough. That's who he is. And these are the things that we have to remind ourselves of. You know, we can just skim through a story 
and we can just skim through the things that Jesus did, or we can draw on his nature and say, yeah, you are more than enough. You didn't just multiply what they, the, the lack they had, but you multiplied it to the point that they had enough and more. We need that reminder. Amen? We all need that reminder. And then it says here, and guess how many? About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. So guaranteed 20,000, because they didn't have small families, and that's conservative. Probably more than that total that were there. That's a lot of people. Anyone fed 20,000? Anyone here? No. That's a lot of people, and Jesus did it like that. Five loaves and two fish. All it takes. Don't despise small beginnings. My wife, we've got gardens at our house, and um, she wants everything to grow so fast, and it never looks full and plush. And she's like, why is that, why is that so bare over there? It's like, give it a month. It will be full, right? But... She's just very impatient this year for some reason. She wants to see it grow fast, super fast. And we, we have to know that, that God is the God who multiplies things. But he, you know, he's, he takes what is small. It just amazes me how things that look, can look dead all of a sudden, boof, in spring, they just explode with life. That's seed potential. And, and we got to understand God takes the smallest thing. He can take a seed and he can multiply it. Everything in our hand is a seed. Everything in his hand is a harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. And that doesn't just mean souls. That means everything. Every harvest. Now, so then Jesus does all these miracles, spends the whole day, He's wanting to be alone. He's got bad news. His cousin died. John was someone who was a strong believer in God, who Jesus probably connected with in a way that he didn't connect with many people. John was someone of strong conviction, strong belief. I mean, this is the baby that jumped in the womb when, when like, he was excited then. And so they had this connection, and he's gone, and he's beheaded. And if you understand Jewish culture, they really honor the body, and they will, they will go at lengths to get those bodies back, even in prisoners of war and different things. They send teams in that will risk their lives to bring the body back just because they, they, they consider that body sacred, and they honor that. So to have it beheaded was just dishonorable. You don't think that bugged Jesus? And, and then he's, has, he's performing all these miracles because of his compassion and his love. Then he can't send them away because they're hungry. The disciples say, oh, come, go send them to McDonald's. It's basically what the disciples say. Go, go, then go to all the different fast food places. And Jesus is like, no, you feed them. So he finally feeds them. Then what it says here, immediately after this, Jesus insisted, verse 22, that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. 
while he sent the people home. So he's, he's concerned even about his disciples. He's like, guys, you need to get in the boat and start heading in the other direction where we're going. So he gets them into the boat, and then look what it says. While he sent the people home. You know how many times it says in the Bible that Jesus sent the people home? I don't, people always say, oh, you know, you got to have compassion like the Lord and be able to. It's like, yeah, there's times Jesus had compassion and he ministered, but then there was a time to send them home. He sent the crowds away. There, there is that time too. So when the lights flicker in the bell day, it's like, it's time to go home. <laughs> Right? There's, there's, there's a time to be here. There's a time to go home. And Jesus sent the people home. And after sending them home, what did he do? I love this. He went up into the hills by himself to pray. He didn't go and have a nap, which he probably needed. And this amazes me. And this is... I can't say I've tapped into this or I've walked in this. But what was it that made him totally exhausted want to go up into the mountains and pray? What was it that he was getting that he couldn't get from anywhere else? Not even a nap or a sleep was going to take care of it. There was something he was getting in that moment. And he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And it says, night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning. So... Jesus didn't just go up for 15 minutes. He went up for hours. Now, what was he doing? Was he weeping and, and, and grieving John? And God was touching his heart and ministering to him? Because the Bible says that, that the God of, of all comfort comforts us in every trial with the comfort that only we can receive from him, because ultimately only God understands loss to the fullest degree. He understands loss every day. How many people go to hell that he never intended for them to go to hell? God never designed any person to go to hell. He had a plan and a purpose for their life. But when they choose to go against him, there's a piece of God's heart that is lost. He knows loss and grief every second. And Jesus had to draw from that. What was it that he had to spend hours? What was it that he was getting from God? It's like we skim over these things and we're just kind of like, oh yeah, and then it was three o'clock and it's like, do you not wonder? How important was this? Like, what was the one thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them? 
They said, teach us to what? How to pray. They didn't say teach us to do miracles. They didn't say teach us how to, you know, calm the way. All these, they knew the secret to everything Jesus did was in his prayer life. That was the place where he connected with God. That was the place where there was something that he got that they, they did not understand fully. How many want him to teach you those things? I want that to be our prayer because, again, we settle. We get to a point of, oh, I'm only going so far. You know, we, we get to a prayer meeting and we get to a place in prayer and we just, we only go so far and then it's just, uh, that's good. I got, my, I got my, my wish list out. We're good. Let's move on. Not taking time to hear them. Not taking time many times to just calm ourselves and let them minister to certain areas in our heart. We just rush and move on. There's so many things I believe that he wants to do for us in the area of prayer that we've just not tapped into yet. But we, we will get there one way or the other. I choose willingly rather than unwillingly. <laughs> because when I look at others that willingly have done it, it's a much easier path than unwillingly through hardships. I just watched an incredible testimony. I love watching testimonies or hearing testimonies. It was a man who came from a third-generation atheist family. Three generations of atheists. And not just atheists, but scientists, like brainiacs, okay? Very knowledgeable in science, biology, and everything. But God got him on this journey, and he began to search for, he understood cells and how they multiply one another, you know, and, and replicate. But he said, if you go back, go back, go back, the very beginning of a cell, when he started researching that, it's like nothing, it doesn't duplicate from anything. It, where did that start? And it got him on this search, and, and he could not figure out where that started. And that there had to be a designer, there had to be a creator. He couldn't get past that. And he spent years, and guess how long it took God to get to him? 20 years. It was a 20-year journey. But incredible how God broke it down. How God encountered him with dreams and unraveled and, and showed different things. But did it through science and, and showed through science. Because he said there's a lot of theories, but he says when you look at true science, it never contradicts the word of God. Theories contradict the word of God. And there's all kinds of different theories people have, but he says true science Founded science never contradicts the word. And he, that was what got him saved. But, you know, God knows how to get to us. And he, he wants to get to us when we take those times with him. And I believe those times of prayer and encountering him, there, there's something we get there that we don't get from anyone else or from anyone else. The prayer... And those moments of prayer and the lifestyle of prayer 
we need to allow God to increase and grow in us. And I believe that he is going to do that in the days ahead. So Jesus spent this, this long time praying. At three in the morning, what's he doing? He came toward them walking on the water. Well, let's just walk on water today. This is a day in the life of Jesus. He's now walking on water in the night. Why is he walking on the water? Because he doesn't have a boat. Right? And he holds all the elements. In him, they were all created. They can do what he needs them to do. And if he wants water to be walked on, he can make it so that we can walk on water. And I love this. It says here, so the disciples saw him walking on the water. They were terrified, and in fear they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Or um, the, the Greek says this, the I am is here. The I am, the beginning and the end, the one who holds everything together. He basically said, that's me. I'm here. So he comes in that moment and he's like, I'm here. What happens? I love this. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Isn't that cool? Peter gets in there. He's like, okay, here's an opportunity. If it's really you, call me and I'll, and I'll come to you. And I love this. Jesus says, yes, come. You know, here, it's like, there's a lot of times we disqualify things that God could do because we think, oh, no, he wouldn't do that. And we just, or we compare it to someone else. But, but Peter went to Jesus directly. He didn't look at everyone around him. Everyone else stayed in the boat. But, but Peter's like, no, no. If Jesus is walking on the water, I'm walking on the water with them. And I love this. Jesus gets excited. He says, yes, come. He's not like, oh, Peter, you're such a showman. What do you want to walk on water for? Like, you want to show off to everyone? Like, he didn't, he was excited. Here was faith that was wanting to do something. Oh, let's look at the theological blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Peter wasn't this brainiac that was wanting to know doctrines and theories. And he, he was like, I want to walk with God. I want to do the real thing that he's doing. I want to step out in faith, and I want to do something for you. And a lot of times we just sit and we're just like, I want to hear my song. I want to feel good. Give me something that will tickle my ears and make me feel nice. It's like, no, do you want to connect with Jesus? Do you want something more? Because there's something more for all of us. There is always something more. When we walk with Jesus, he's going to say, you feed them all sometimes. When you think, how am I going to do that? He's going to be walking on water in a situation, and he's going to 
be there, and you've got an opportunity to, t to step in that, that water with them. And so Jesus says, yes, come. And it says, Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Cool. Here we got another but in the Bible. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. So here, opportunity comes. He can walk on that water. He is walking on water. I've had situations where God has done something supernatural. I start walking in it, and then what happens is I start comparing or I look at different things around me, and I start losing what I got because I'm trying to um, reason something that I received by faith and I received supernaturally. I'm trying to work out something that I got supernaturally, naturally. And you can't. You can't. The two do not mix together. Jesus is so past. He's walking on the water with waves and everything else. But, but, but Peter started looking at the strong wind. He started looking at the, the waves. He started looking at gas prices. He started looking at groceries going up 30%. He started looking at high rents and mortgages. And I can go on and on and on. We can look at that, or we can look at a supernatural God in the midst of it is able to sustain us. So Peter, he gets in that situation. He's walking. He starts getting terrified. He's looking at all of this. He begins to sink, and he says, Save me, Lord, he shouted. That's the best prayer you can pray. How many can say that prayer? Well, I don't know how to pray. Can you say, save me, Lord? Can you say, help? And I love this. It says, Jesus immediately slapped Peter and said, oh, you of little faith. What does it say? He reached out in what? Grabbed him. Grabbed him. He reached out and he was like, he grabbed him. You know, like, Peter, you can swim, you're a fisherman. Come on, suck it up, princess. Get in. Swim back to the boat. What did he do? He grabbed him. It says, immediately. And it says here, then he said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt who I am and what I can do? Like, well, we're doing so good. Why did you doubt me? 
the probing question. But it says here, I love this, when they climbed back into the boat. It's just one statement, but it's like, okay, stop here. How far were you from the boat? Peter, did you swim? No, he didn't swim. Jesus grabbed him. Okay, did Peter walk back to the boat on the water? Did Jesus hold him and carry him back? Anyone want to know these questions, or is it just me? It's like, let's think this thing through. Because, like, this is life with Jesus. This is a day with Jesus. How many would like, still like to be one of his disciples? I don't know if I would. Honestly. You're telling, you're telling me you don't have enough faith. You're telling me I've got to feed them all. I'm tired and exhausted. Who's picking up all these 12 baskets and everything? It's the disciples. They're the grunt workers. They're the water boys. Tough. But Jesus, in the midst of all of this, he's pushing them and he's challenging them. But it says, when they climbed back into the boat, so they got back to the boat, Jesus carried them. Or Peter walked, but we know he didn't swim because Jesus grabbed him. So he, he ended well because he cried out to Jesus. That's the important thing here, people. So many times we focus on the fall. Oh, did you see how that person, oh, this happened and, and this is crashing. And we focus so much on the fall and the failure we don't focus on the getting back up. We don't focus on the fact that that person humbled themselves and cried out to God, and it's like they, God turned that thing around, and he, it ended well. The devil wants to just put you in a corner and say, see, you couldn't do it. See, you're, you're a failure. See, it doesn't work for you. See, anyone had that voice shouting at you? Yeah, pull hands up. It's called the accuser. He's a jerk. And he'll do it all the time. But Jesus is there immediately when you cry out to him. And he grabs you and he gets you back on track. All of us. All of us. And that man, atheists, three generations of atheists in his God, Jesus didn't, 20 years it took him, but you know what? He didn't give up on him. Got him back on track. Yep, he's very patient. So it says here, they got back in the boat and the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. <laughs> How do you know? Okay, this is how they're ending their, well, they're actually, they're starting their next day. They've already gone day and night, and it's the beginning or in the middle of the night, maybe, by now, or almost morning, early morning. It says here, you know, they exclaim, you are the Son of God. You know, Psalms 37 says this. I love this, and this is a good verse to put in memory. I have certain verses that I've got memorized in case... All our Bibles get taken away and we go to prison and we don't have anything but the Bible in our brain. We laugh. <laughs> it 
can happen. It says here in Psalms 37, 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly, and he delights in every detail of their lives. This is David speaking here in the Psalms. David served God to the very end of his days. He ended his life well. He ended faithful to God. His heart was always after God, and he understood this, that the Lord directs every step, and he takes delight in every detail of our lives. And I love this. Though they stumble. Anyone stumble here? And when do you stumble? You know, we always think, well, I stumbled when I sinned and I did something wrong. You know, you know that we stumble when we step into something new. And we don't know what we're doing. And God says, do this. And you're like, <laughs> you're falling all over the place and you're smashed. And he's like, it's like a little baby when they're learning to walk. This little baby, young little girl back here has just started walking. And she just kind of, but you know, when they first walk, they, they fall, then have to get back up. It's part of learning. Falling. When I was in, in uh, I used to be a figure skater. The one thing that um, you had to learn, and this really helped me because I had a tremendous fear of failure. That was one of a big thing in my life. And so being a figure skater, I had to learn that falling was learning. Because when you had to go into a jump that you've never done before, you'd fall till you could feel that the way it's supposed to be, and then eventually you wouldn't fall. Then as soon as you do it on a single jump, then you have to move to a double jump. And you have to learn it all over again, but be able to do it twice in the air. And then go up to trip. Like, it's constant falling is learning. But you got better and better and better. You fell forward. And that's what, you know, you fail forward. This is what we've got to see. We can't see failure as a bad thing. In God's eyes, when we stumble, it says here, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. This is Jesus. Jesus immediately was there for Peter. You know, sometimes people never step out because it's a constant fear of, Oh, I, I won't be able to do it. I won't be able to do it. That's, that's not God. Your, your father wants you to, to move forward. And he's going to put you into things where you might stumble, but you're not going to fall. He's upholding you with his hand. He's there to sustain you. He's done it for, for many of us who have walked with God for years. You know this when you begin to just... Walk with him and, and, and step out with, in things with him. But it's a good reminder for us because I believe in this next season that we're coming into that God's going to have us step into new things. He's going to give new innovative ways. He's going to give creative ways, I think, for us to do church, for us to be able to um, minister in different ways, for us to be able to bring in finances. So all kinds of different things where we're going to have to be ready to just step and move. Step and move. And we, we can't be afraid. 
We have to be willing to, you know what, God, if, if that's what you want, what, let's do it. Let's step into it. And he has ways he can do it. But we can't be afraid. We've got to know that even though we stumble, we will never fall for the Lord upholds us by his hand. And then David says this, once I was young, now I'm old. So he's talking as an old guy. Okay? He says, yet I've never seen the godly abandoned. I've never seen the godly abandoned. Or their children begging for bread. And then he says this, the godly always give generously or generous loans to others. In other words, they have a giving heart. And in these end times, let's say times get tough. Who, who thinks that could possibly happen? <laughs> could possibly happen, right? Okay. So, what are we going to do in the midst of that? I'm going to fill up my freezer, and I'm going to get my own little farm. I'm going to grow my own little vegetables. And I'm going to be this plump little fat person while everyone's skinny and dying around me. Because that's what Jesus would do. Let's think it through, people. We need to be wise. We need to be good stewards. Yes, we need to be able to. But let me tell you, when it comes to the bottom line... We, we have to be good stewards of ours, but God will have us minister to those around us. And he's going to give us ways to do that. It's not going to be me, myself, and I. Because that is not God's way. If we're thinking that way, and we're all going to live on a farm, and we're all going to hold hands and kumbaya, and while everyone rots around me. Seriously? Like, God's bigger than that. I'll use an example of Kenneth Copeland. I have many stories, but Kenneth Copeland's father was in the Great Depression. Um, and in that time, no one had food, no one had anything. But what he did was he continually took whatever he had and gave it out, however he gave it out, and it would either multiply. He had cheese and stuff that multiplied. Bunnies would hop up onto his porch that would be there that they could eat. There were so many multiple different ways, but he, he had it for himself, and he shared it to those that God had around him. And supernaturally, it came. Supernaturally, he provided. Supernaturally, there were ways that it was done. Do we know how it's going to be done? I believe it'll be multiple different ways that God will do it. I don't think we can put it in a cookie cutter. It's always going to do it. God's favor can open a door. Do you know that the most important thing in Jesus' life, how many know was the end of his life? And do you know that he didn't have a funeral plan? Do you know he didn't even have a tomb? He didn't have something planned out, and I'm not against planning. But what I'm saying is, 
God supernaturally provided a carved tomb of a rich dude for Jesus when he needed it. Amen? That was a very significant piece of the puzzle. But God's like, no, when you need it, it's there. Boom. When it's, when it's, it, it, it's needed, it'll be there. But in the midst of it, we've got to be walking with him, hearing him, trusting him. Because when I'm making decisions based on fear, <clears throat> wrong. Because the Bible says whatever is not done in faith is sin. And anything that we do based in fear does not end well. So, me getting a farm, and I'm not against getting a farm. God can do it in multiple different ways. If he says get a farm, great. I'll get a farm. I'll do what I need to do. But it's not going to be just for me. God's, that's not God. That's a little selfish you. That's fear speaking. That is not God. And we need to start chopping some of those things off and get a mindset of God and start preparing our hearts because if our heart is ready, the outcome will be good. It's not, we seem to think it's what I take in, what I take in. No, Jesus says it's not what you eat that defiles you, it's what comes out of you. So it's preparing your heart so that it's right, so that when the situations come, the right thing will come out of you. Amen? So God, give me the mindset. Show me what I need for these end times. Show me the things that you want to unlock. Show me the resources. Show me how to walk with you and trust you in the little things as I'm going along my way. Because you can just, in a second, unfold it and unlock it and, and open it up. You can do it like that. I remember I was in Bible school. I'm five, I mean, I've got a family of five. I'm in Bible school. We don't have money. We have enough to get me through, and it's tight. And I'm ending Bible school, and everyone, and I have no other, I have no other plan after Bible school. I've been praying, but God's like, he's, he's silent, but I know he's got something. And everyone's like, you know, what are you going to be doing after Bible school? What are, you, are you going in the, in the ministry? Are you, is this going to happen? It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know yet. Two weeks before, or three weeks before Bible school ends, something, something opens up. A, a church opens up in Newfoundland. They're looking for a senior pastor. They, 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 they asked for me. I didn't even put anything out there. Someone else spoke on my behalf and said, consider him, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, boom, instantly I get out of Bible school. I have a full-time senior pastor job. Why? Because God had prepared me, but he... When I needed it, it was there. Because when we're taking those steps, he directs our steps. So be faithful to the thing that he gives you to do now. Stay in that step. And when the next step is needed, he will bring you into it. Amen?
Because we can't figure everything out. Everything's changing like this. How many know everything's changing? And it can be changing like, and it's like, you go to take a step and you're like, oh, oh, oh. wait, wait, that just changed. No, I can't take that step. Anyone feel a little bit like that? It's like, so be faithful to what you know to do and be praying. He says, he directs the steps. He takes delight in every detail of your life. Amen. So, Lord, we just thank you that you do. You do. You direct the steps of the godly, those who have given you their lives, who are seeking you and seeking your kingdom and your righteousness. So we thank you that you direct our steps and I thank you that you take delight in every detail of our lives. So I thank you that you consider our kids even more than we consider them. You care more about their future than we do. You see things that we don't even see for them. You know things that they will walk in and that they will do that we don't even comprehend and we don't even know. So I thank you that you take delight in every detail of our lives. So we thank you for your provision to this point. We thank you for our jobs. We thank you for our houses. We thank you for uh, all the clothing and our vehicles and our just so much of the provision that you've given us. You've been so faithful. We thank you that you will continue to direct our steps. So I ask that you would help us to be faithful in the little, even though it might seem insignificant. As we trust you and we give that to you, you are able to multiply that. So I, I ask that you would help us to be faithful to those things that you've called us to do. Help us not to get our eyes on the wind and the storms and the gas prices and inflation and the stock market. All these things that come and go and go up and down. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Because you ultimately are our source and that you are the one that upholds and sustains everything. That all the elements are subject to you. That if you want to walk on water, you walk on water. And if you want us to walk on water, you will make it so we can walk on water with you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that nothing is impossible for you. So we give you every impossible situation. We give you every mountain that stands in the way. And we speak to those mountains that are against your purpose and against your will. In Jesus' name. And we declare that the plan and the purpose of God will prevail. God, I speak to every promise that you have given to every person here. 
that God, you are faithful to that promise. You are faithful to fulfill it in every way. And I thank you that even though we don't see it and even though we don't feel it many times, you are still working to perform your word because you are faithful even when we are not faithful because you cannot deny yourself. So we thank you for your faithfulness. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Just re I ask that you would draw us into that place of prayer with you, that you would help us to tear off all the religious nonsense and the guilt and the... Um, the obligation and duty and all those different things that have been associated with prayer and just help us to draw close to you, Jesus. To know that every time we call out to you that you are there immediately to save us. You, you are upholding us and you are sustaining us with your, with your hand. Even though we fall, take us in our failure and uphold us because that's who you are. So we thank you for your hand, your sustaining hand that upholds us. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. You are so good. You are so good. We love you, Lord. you Jesus and I, we're going to end with this last closing verses in Matthew 14 it just doesn't stop it says after they had crossed the lake they landed at Gennesaret and when the people recognized Jesus the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed they begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. All who touched him. So Jesus, we thank you that when we reach out and touch you, you bring healing, you bring life. You bring restoration. So we reach out and we touch you. Jesus, we thank you that it's about you. And we reach out and we touch you today. Help us to, as we go from here, to continually look for you and look to you and reach out to you with everything that we need because you take delight in every detail of our lives. Help us to seek your kingdom and what you are doing in the midst of everything that we see. Help us to see what you see. Help us not to just see five loaves and two fishes, but help us to see a crowd that was fed by your supernatural power because you multiplied what we had. Help us to see what you can do in the midst of the small and the insignificant.
Give us eyes to see what you see. We just come against all fear in Jesus' name. We lay that down at your feet. And Jesus, we ask for your perfect love to cast out all fear. All fear. All fear. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. It is well with my soul. It is well. Is well with my soul. With my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Is well. It is well with my soul. With my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you go with us. We thank you for all that you're doing. And we give you all the praise. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. He's so good, isn't he? I want to encourage you next week. We have Marvin and Anna coming. And um, they are a wealth of, they've been trooping it in Thailand. And they've raised up a Bible school there from scratch. Literally built it from the ground. And they have raised up hundreds of, and hundreds of Thai people strong and preaching the gospel, planting churches all over the nation, incredible wealth of faith, and they're just, and I'm going to be doing more like an interview. He's not going to be preaching, and they're going to just share stories and tell us things that are going to strengthen us and encourage us in our faith, He's just a, both of them are a wealth of, of just rich, they've walked it out. They're troopers. They're pioneers. They pioneered through for 25 years, and they, they continue, the work is still continuing there. And so just being able to, to hear people like this is, is so encouraging because 
they broke through and they can help encourage us to break through. Amen? So that's next week, and then we're going to be doing... The, the, um, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have church five and probably it's going to be around six thirty-seven. We're going to do the dinner following the service. So it's hard to know how long it's going to go. Probably six thirty quarter to seven. So the dinner is, um, prepared. So we just, we buy it and, um, yeah, so it'd be a good time of fellowship. And then, uh, that, that money is also going to go towards Thailand. So, um, it's just going to be a great service. So that's next week. Hopefully you can make it. And um, um, again, we got the guys' breakfast dinner Tuesday night. All the guys, if you can make it. And then women, uh, it's a dessert night at, at uh, my house. I'm going to be kicked out. <laughs> but you better say me some dessert. Be nice. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, so it's going to be a good week. And Thursday night prayer. Prayer is always good. It's always, always good. All right. Well, have a great rest of your uh, holiday weekend. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.